Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. As a mom, vegan of 20 years and entrepreneur, I need a lot of energy. And I turned to Athletic Greens to help me out. Athletic Greens is part of the daily nutrition regimen for thousands of top performers, professional athletes, and health-conscious go-getters worldwide, including USA cycling and endurance athletes. So I knew I would trust them. It's developed from a complex blend of 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. And it's a comprehensive all-in-one greens powder engineered to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet and support your body's nutritional needs across the four pillars of health, gut health, immune system, energy, and recovery. And these are all things that I'm super interested in. I put a scoop in my smoothie in the morning, and it feels amazing to know that I'm set up to feel my best and sustain my energy all day long. Try for yourself at athleticgreens.com slash lit yoga. That's athleticgreens.com slash lit yoga and get lit up. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. I am joined, of course, by my fearless co-host, beautiful Kristen Williams, physical therapist and senior lit teacher. Yay! Yay! Woo-woo! Hey, everybody. Hey, Laura. Hey, hey. Good to see you. Okay, we'll get started off with our beautiful Julie Glick, who wrote in a really um, wonderful comment question. She says, lovely Laura, can you and KB discuss yoga teacher body image stuff? You and KB have to be in the top one-tenth percentage of physical fitness and physical beauty, truly. Well, we love you, Julie. (laughs) She says, having been a gymnast, one of five daughters, a member of our outer appearance, obsessed society, I do hear that little critical voice. I have gotten over myself to teach for my students, not for me. I think of my body as an instrument to demonstrate lit yoga, but still that little voice sneaks in now and then. Any advice or insights? I think she is not alone in this. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
you know, having uh, you as well have a daughter, I have two. And uh, it is especially nowadays, and we had it bad growing up um, as well. But nowadays with the amount of social media and filters, and I mean, I feel it as a 47 year old woman, you know, comparing myself, my wrinkles, my what, you know, it's just, uh, it is, it's hard. And I'm thankful that the camera is far enough away that you don't see all that a lot, you know, um, because we are, you know, and Julie looks phenomenal. Like, you know, it's just funny mm-hmm. how just that is where body dysmorphia, I, I think, and I am as guilty of it as the next person. Uh, I will be the first person to say, I see myself differently than I am on camera. And it shocks me when I will go back every now and then I'll watch my videos and I'm like, oh, I look pretty good. You know, I mean, it, and it is, I wish I had an answer to say, oh, this is the magic, this is the magic answer to feel differently about yourself um, or to see yourself through a different lens. I do think, actually, for me anyway, it helps actually, actually seeing myself and looking at myself and finding things that I do love. Um Yes, I work out every single day. You and I are both, we work to look the way we do. I do, I am genetically gifted. I, I am naturally thin. I, my, my parents are both fit, but I see differences. I, I've seen it in my own daughters where my oldest has more of a womanly shape that I would have killed for at her age that, you know, so... And having to have conversations with her where she's like, well, God, I don't, I'm not like, I'm not built like you, mom. And I'm like, yeah, but let's just, so you, so you don't wear the type of clothes I do. Let's buy clothes for your body. And my God, she's beautiful. She's got a butt. She's got boobs. She's got, it's like more of an hourglass. I'm a stick, you know, but that's what's popular right now. And isn't it funny how we went back and we started watching reruns of Dexter which was a big show on, on Showtime uh, that my husband and I loved. And I thought the lead um, actress at the time, she was rail thin. And I remember thinking at the time that she had the ideal body shape and I wanted to be like her. I wanted to look just like her. And now I'm looking at her 20 years later thinking, oh my God, she's so thin because our body, our ideal body style has changed. Thanks to JLo. Thanks to Tyra Banks. Thanks to these normal women who are, you know, glamorizing normal bodies. It, th- that was a shocking moment for me to, to look back and be like, wow, I thought that's how I wanted to look. And now that doesn't look healthy. So it is a uh, man. I'm glad I'm not in Hollywood. I'm glad I don't have people looking at me all the time. Uh, because it's Lord have mercy. It's, it's, it's a wonder I have makeup on right now. People, the only reason I have it on is because I just filmed live and I don't want to look like a pasty ghost. (laughs) So, you know, otherwise I am so low, low uh, maintenance. I don't know if that was a great answer, Julie, because I don't have the answer for you. I don't think. I I think that was a beautiful answer. And I really think that it is so important to recognize the voices in our head that are really not serving us. Like she said, this critical voice. It's like, you know, there's this great 
great. It's not a story. It's it's a passage. Um, I don't have it. In, I think it's Rumi. Um, and I've read it in teacher trainings before. And it's basically like, welcome the guest into the house. And it's like, you can welcome that guest who is not actually that kind. <laughs> and just to see that voice for what it is, that it is, you know, the kind of lesser version of you, the one that's been influenced by society and culture, and that is going to be like, well, you're not enough, you're not this, you're too this, you're too that, you're not. A... And um, I, I think we, to, we're not going to be able to drown it out because I think like to your point, so we're so wired and it's wired because of we're living in this world, unless you're an isolated island, like how wonderful would that be? I mean, you and I have both been like camping trips or bike where you're not looking in a mirror and you're not putting on anything and you just don't even, it, it doesn't even occur to you like how you look. And I think that we have to recognize that that inner voice has been put there by a lot of other influences. And when we pair everything away, what people really want from us, and we should want this for ourselves, is like being a good person, and like Julia is. She's such a beautiful person. And when you hear that critical voice, that's like, that's little Julie. That's teenage Julie. And just be like sympathetic and kind, but recognize like, yeah, there's there's a beauty in growing older, even though culturally, or at least societally, I think culturally it has been really valued. Our society, like after a certain age, you just are not looked at. I was talking with this on a podcast with this woman who's a master rower, Rebecca Caro, and you know, she said, you know, after you're like in your mid 40s to 50s, you become invisible. And when she said that, I was like, oh, there's just this knife. And we become invisible as from a societal like ideal, but that doesn't mean we are invisible. And that's where we have to really change the wiring and change and appreciate. And on those days you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, when you look in the mirror, this is like, this is not me I'm looking at, you know? And it's kind of sometimes you laugh. Like, I don't recognize this person as much. And you just keep doing the things that fuel you inside and try and match your insides and outsides as much as possible. So, Julie, I don't know if we answered your question. I think it's to say that, I mean, and Julie has the cutest, cutest figure possible. She's tiny and everything. So I think it isn't necessarily about size. It's about you know, what we want as an ideal that has, again, been kind of projected on us. And I think the more that we can embrace and love our parts, and I, I'm like you, sometimes I'll see myself on camera and I'll be like, wow, I, okay. I, I mean, I don't, you know, we, we do need to look at ourselves and be like, look at me, look at what I can do. Look how strong I am. I don't think we always notice those things. And we're really quick to notice the things that we might not you know, enjoy as much like the wrinkles or whatever it might be. If people are feeling like they're heavier or skinnier or not as in good shape or posture, all kinds of stuff. It's to to really dull that that critical voice as much as possible. But at the same time, know that it is a visitor that is there. And, and there's, you know, have some sympathy and kindness as well, because that came from probably some of your early stuff. And then think, well, look how far I've come from that. You know, that that isn't occupying my head so much of the time. I think that is the beauty of getting older is you aren't in your head so much about 
how you look, what you're doing, what other people think about you, those things become a lot less important. And I, so I think celebrate that. That's aging. Something, some parts of it can not be as pleasant, but this is one of them is that we should just feel more at home in our body and, and more at peace. I agree. Oh, that was a great question. All right. Next question is from Rose, also one of our teachers. Hi, Laura. I have a friend client who said she had a procedure done where the tissue was clipped that connected the bottom of her tongue to her lower palate. She said immediately she felt a shift and had ranges of mobility she never had before, like touching her chin to her collarbone and being able to touch her fingers overhead. I wonder what you know about this and if you could talk about why this sudden range of mobility. Fascinating. I'll be upfront. I don't like... I will tell you what I imagine is happening, but I don't know enough about this to really tell you the real ins and outs. But I know like, for instance, our feet, if we think about our feet, we think about just the tissue around the feet, but the tissue of the feet come up from the base of the feet, from the toes, all the way up, all the way into our head and into the surrounding neck and into the jaw. And they've shown that, I mean, you could try this right now. We're going to do this in my foot workshop, by the way, which should be coming, which should be around the time this comes out. Um, where you can move your feet and then stop moving your feet and then move your neck a little bit. And what is often experienced is after you move your neck, your feet move easier and then your neck moves easier. So we already know right there, there's connections. So with those connections, there's also connections from the tissue around the skull that goes into your jaw. And it's not just inside your cheeks, but all around into that palate above. And so I'm imagining that whatever was, you know, locked down by just clipping it freed up some of that, the suboccipitals. And if you free up your neck, it's not just your neck. You're going to go down into your shoulders, not just your shoulders, go down into your pelvis. So that would be my just critical thinking answer is that, all that stuff is connected, and by freeing some actual tissue in the palate, it freed up things around the skull, into the shoulders, et cetera. I agree with you. I, I, I too don't know the exact, you know, an anatomical changes, but I, I suppose. I mean, I know uh, in in physical therapy, a lot of times when we are working with the head and neck, we sometimes cue put your tongue to the roof of your mouth, you know, to get to open up that tongue. So she, by releasing that little, I know what she's talking about, that little thing that, you know, you know, really tie down. So opening up, she basically allowed more space for her tongue. So almost, and more ability to bring the tongue to the roof of the mouth, which allows more, you know, we will do that as a way to cue people to allow more mobility or we'll cue the eyes, you know, turn and look and you'll, you know, people just turn and look their eyes and you have the, your hands on the backside of their neck and you feel muscles shift. So there is such an intricate play uh, that, that, that we know about just from little treatment techniques that we do. And yet I can't articulate, well, this is why. But uh, I would assume she basically freed up that motion of the tongue, like you said, which then I mean, into the throat, into the hyoid, into the, I mean, which just then to the neck, to the dot, to the dot, that you connect the, that, 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 that song we always said, the head bones connected to the neck. Bone. 
that. Yeah, it's there for a reason. And it's so, so true. I love that you're going to be working with the feet in relationship to the head and neck because people forget about that. Physical therapists forget about that. Doctors absolutely forget about that. We become very uh, myopic in our vision as opposed to global that right there, your friend's surgery is a classic example of global health, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And like you were saying, like if you've ever been in a situation where you're clenching your jaw, whether you were cold or fearful or anxious or whatever, when you do that, there's a natural tendency for everything to kind of constrict and contract. And so there is so much in the jaw, in the, in the mouth, um, you know, that, that has that. And I love how you mentioned about the eyes because right, like right underneath the hairline, if you go up above the hairline and your eyes are closed and then you open, you will feel, um, those are triggered by your, you know, occipital nerve and, and, um, to the suboccipital muscles get ready. They're like, Oh, eyes open. We're ready. And it's so it's, It's super fascinating. All right. We have Veronica Functional Yoga. How can supination and pronation of the feet affect your yoga? What can you do about it? Oh, well, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, once again, just like you were talking about, I'm sure you'll be addressing this in your foot module. uh, But, you know, when we think about what's happening at the foot, the foot is the first thing that hits the ground. And pronation or supination, you know, people, it's the big, and let's, can you just say for anybody that's listening, who might not know what that is? Sure. So when you supinate the foot, if, if you can imagine rolling to the outer edge of the foot would be supinating and then pronating the foot would be rolling to the inner edge. Uh, we also call that inversion, eversion, uh, in an open chain position, but there's a big hot, you know, the big hot topic is, oh, overpronation. People over, or they, 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 they underpronate. They're supinators. They're, you know, that's normal motion of the foot. The foot during the gait pattern, it supinates at heel strike. It pronates through mid stance and that supinates again as you push off. And so how is that going to affect your yoga practice? Well, I mean, it can affect it greatly if you are, you know, as with any weight bearing exercise, if you aren't able to do one or the other, or if you are perhaps unable to come to neutral and find that mid-range between the two, it can affect all the way up the chain. If you are over-supinating or, excuse me, over-pronating, meaning, you know, dropping that arch down, it's going to affect up at the knee. The knee will overly internally rotate, the hip as well. Uh, We see it in a lot of our asymmetrical poses or um, open hip poses where that can be greatly impacted by what's happening at the ankle as well as the hip. So there's, so there's a, you know, fascia that runs from the inside of the foot all the way up into the groin wrapping around when the pelvis is the crux of our yoga practice, really, at least our lit yoga practice for certain. So we forget about those guys down there and to our, our own detriment, I think. So maintaining appropriate foot mobility uh, and strength is important, not only for your yoga practice, but also for your your life. What do you have to say about that, Laura? Yeah. So, well, pronation and supination, again, we should be able to have that. We want that. So the foot is so fascinating. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci said it is like the masterpiece 
of engineering. And it really is because it's, it needs to be mobile, but it also needs to be stable because it's taking this wonderful exchange of energy from the ground up into the body, up into the pelvis. And then, so the pelvis and the, the feet really uh, communicate a lot. And so like, for instance, I know on my right side, um, for various reasons, my right foot is not as strong. My right outer hip is not as strong, even though it is my dominant side. It's too, it's too loose, right? So my foot will tend to fall in like on those one-legged, if I was like in an airplane or something, and I just have to look down in and be like, come on, sucker. <laughs> Cause it just wants to do that, uh, pronation, which again, pronation, unfortunately, has gotten to be a bad term. It is necessary. We need it in our gait cycle. But if I'm in a balancing pose, if I start to pronate too much, I'm that weight bearing up into the pelvis is not symmetrical. It's going to go into the lateral hip, into the medial knee. And um, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to be stabilized as well. And so I think that you know, it does affect it because again, on that side where I'm pronating, it really affects my balance. It affects the firing of the muscles. My glute med and uh, needs to come in more to help stabilize. Um, it affects the the hip the, the, that wants to internally rotate like you were talking about. And then I imagine if somebody was really rolling out, they're going to have kind of opposite issues. We do see pronation more than supination as a non-neutral foot. So really just pay attention. Look down. Like I look at my foot, you, like that visual looking at my foot when it wants to come in. And I use my hands. I put my, so I'm on my right foot. I put my left hand on my inner right knee to, to help that foot, therefore to help the energy from the foot up into the pelvis. So it's not doing what you were talking about, KB, where the knee drops in and the hip internally rotates. So I think just paying attention and, you know, we talk about being barefoot. Why are we barefoot? Because we want those intrinsic muscles of the feet to stay strong. When they're in a shoe, they're kind of like dumb. <laughs> they're, not doing, they're not doing much. It's like little block feet. So we want those intrinsic muscles to stay strong because those intrinsic muscles help the arch stay. You know, we have three sets of arches that create this more, um, the arch that we stand on. And those intrinsic muscles are really important for that. That's why yoga is so great because we do practice barefoot. But I think there's lots of other things to do. But to your to your answer, Veronica, long long answer short, is that it it can affect it because your feet ultimately connect to your pelvis, and then as we know, our pelvis connects to the spine and and how all the core muscles are able to come in and stabilize. So we can still balance. We can still probably do things. It's just like with everything else, we're trying to optimize the performance of all the muscles activating as they should and stacking the joints so there's like less wear and tear. So that's where we, we do need to pay attention to what the feet are doing because that, can, that wear and tear can come in above in the knee and the hip, even in the low back. All right, everybody. Well, that was wonderful. Those were great questions. We will come back next week. And as always, you can write us. You can direct message either one of us. I'm Lara.Hyman on Instagram. KB is KBWilliams99. Always enjoy um, hearing what you have to ask. These are, these are great questions from body image to feet and everything in between. So keep them coming. We love you. I love you. Love you. And as always, we're pulling for you. Love you.